0: Marketing, entrepreneurship, and all things small business. You're listening to The Profit 911 Podcast. Now, here's your host, Justin Miller. All right, we are back with the podcast, and we are talking about reducing sales friction. We had a lot of friction in getting this episode out. We gotta, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, we had a little delay in uh, recording here. so There is a little, a little podcast friction.
1: <laughs> life gets in the way of some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk about how to not let life get in the way of your customers, clients, and patients buying from you. So, first off, I'll, I'll share a, a story of what happened. I think it was last week now. Yeah, it was last week. So, I was down here in my office working at nighttime because we had like a puking kid during the day or whatever. Uh, so, I came in to get things done at night. I was at home during the day. And... uh I had just gotten here. I was sitting at my computer for about 30 minutes and I got two emails from Amazon about two minutes apart from each other. They were order confirmations, which isn't unusual. Um, We share an Amazon account at home, but uh, it turns out my seven-year-old son was playing games on the Fire Stick and the first order was $2.91 for like game coins. Sure. You know, you like buy things or bypass parts of the game or cheat or whatever. And less than a minute later was an order for 50,000 coins, $400. Huh.
1: He just wanted to be able to play all night. So,
0: <laughs> so at one point uh, I had somehow put the the pin code on screen and, and he was able to see it. I was going to say that seems so unlike you. Yeah, no, we'd made it a long time with this pin code. We, you know, I can just share and that it. was eight, six, seven, five. Yeah, it's been, it's been <laughs> changed. It's seven, five, three, oh, nine. Yeah. Um, so it's been changed now, but um, yeah, he saw it once and he didn't use it for a long time. This is probably two weeks after he saw it. And I, I think he was annoyed at a game. He couldn't beat something. And I don't know why the two orders like was one a test order to see if it worked or <laughs> that he's like, oh, that, if that you, did you know, work, if 50 coins is good, 50,000 is better. Let's show some initiative on his part, uh, though. Yeah. By the way, if that ever happens to you, coins are supposed to be non-refundable. So Amazon's really good with customer service, yeah. and I had no doubt they would refund it, but the first response was, coins are non-refundable. Wow. Um, They they did refund them. Uh, I have a feeling if he would have played and used a bunch of them, that would have not been the case. Did you have
1: to escalate that very far, or was it it relatively easy?
0: No, it it was relatively easy. I always used the chat, and it was resolved within five minutes. You didn't even
1: have to talk to a real person. You just did a chat. Yeah. I always use their chat. Yeah, I know you don't want to call anybody.
0: And Amazon doesn't care. Their, you know, their metrics on their chat is resolved in satisfaction mm-hmm. and time. So if they can refund the money in 5 seconds and I give them five stars, they win. So that's that's their goal. But anyhow, that's that's like the minimal sales friction. Amazon's the master at making buying easy.
1: It really is. I bought I have an iWatch. One of the things I asked for from my mother-in-law for Christmas, I found a series of watch bands that I thought just looked kind of cool. And there were like four of them. But I told my wife, I'm like, I think the medium will fit because I'm not the biggest guy in the world. Turns out the mediums are too small because like once summer comes and it gets humid, I think they're going to be too tight. I waited six weeks. I just returned them like two days ago and they refunded the money and I just went and bought the bigger size. They I wonder now, what is the threshold? When is it too late to return something to Amazon? I don't know. I did it after like
0: three months once. They did ask why it took so long. So I did get the question. I'm like, oh, that was a present. I never even tried. It was closed. I never mm-hmm. tried them on. Mm-hmm. You know, they took them back. They they don't care. They want to keep customer loyalty is number one. Um, But in your business as well, you know, we got to figure out how to make it easier for people to give you money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not many people take an active look. At, at this, because it requires putting on your customer hat or your patient hat and thinking through the process from the client side, and that starts from you know when they when they first find you, what's the next step, so. We always want to have next step. I'm going to teach for a minute. <laughs> I don't like teaching. I like talking. But but really, we have to have the core fundamental here that, you know, we have a sales process that's actually structured, not random. So I'm going to assume we have that. If not, I'm sure we have like 10 episodes on that by now out of 15 episodes. <laughs> but if you have a structured process, we want to make it as easy as possible to take, you know, whatever that next step is, whatever that next step is, whatever that next step is. And you'll see this even on like on like a phone where you have to create an account somewhere. Mm-hmm. You ever like signed up for a new software and you have to create a new account? Yeah. Um, was it fairly recently to where you could remember?
1: Um, yeah, probably within the last month.
0: Okay. So historically you would be presented with a form to fill in all your information. Mm-hmm. More and more you're able to select now
1: create or sign in with Facebook or Google. That's true. And and that actually is fairly Simple, and it, I mean, how lazy have we become that we can't spend 90 seconds filling out a form, but it is convenient. Right, I I mean, and and that's
0: create an account somewhere, but we have the same thing, I mean, on the Facebook advertising platform, so they have their lead ads platform, which is built in uh, web forms, basically, but they will pre-fill with contact info from the user profile, so that's that's very little friction there in order to get someone to fill out the form, because it's already filled out for them. Also, speaking specific to that, it's filled out with their cell phone number,
1: which is yeah. amazing. That, yeah, <laughs> that is true. That That is amazing. And often I think, why, maybe I should take that off my profile.
0: No. Well, you kind of have to have it on the profile. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to have it visible, but Facebook wants to know it. So let's, well, let's let's use you as the guinea pig then. Okay, <laughs> so okay. sure. In, in the entertainment business, What's that first point of contact where some piece of information might be exchanged with the potential client?
1: A lot of times it is a Facebook ad. Okay. A lot of times. And they'll they'll fill that form out and it'll come to me with the information that they that I require them to give, which isn't a lot. I mean wedding date, name, you know, are you interested in photo booth or DJ or both? Okay. So
0: you're are you pushing are you using the lead ads platform or are you pushing to your own form?
1: Um I, I have gone more to using the ad as a form versus, um, I know for the longest time I did, they forced them to our own form and I have kind of gotten away from that. Um, right or wrong. I have done that. So it's more so the the form from the Facebook ad.
0: There is, there is no right or wrong. It's whatever the data shows <laughs> true. Or if you're not tracking the data, it's whatever your gut says. Um, okay. So that's, that's you know, front step then get the information as quickly as possible. Get get only the information you need as well at that point in the process would be key. So in, in your case, it's an event based service. The event date critical. Mm-hmm. Um, in someone else's case, say you know, like a dental office, if you start trying to gather like patient intake information like birthday, say I say I ask for birthday on that first contact when they're requesting information from the consumer standpoint. Can they think of any logical reason they need to give up their birthday at that point?
1: I don't think so. I wouldn't.
0: No. And a lot of people will just put that by default because it makes, you know, office life easier if we have all this information up front. You know, we start a new file. We we have everything filled in. Um, But the type of person that's willing to fill in more information, um, yes, we can argue they're a better lead. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, But we're missing a lot of people that wouldn't fill it in. Yeah. Which, again, double-edged sword, you know, less people to follow up with that are more qualified or more people to follow up with and try and convert more of them to clients and patients. So where do you kind of fall on that? Do you want to see like more people in the door that may not be as interested or you kind of just want to deal with the ones that you think are already pre-sold?
1: Quite honestly, because now I have another business that consumes a lot of my time. I, for the longest time it was, let's just get numbers through the door and I'll let them weed themselves out mm-hmm. through pricing or through uh, consultation or follow up. Now I, I think I do. And I, and I have been practicing more of like, I really want to weed them down before I ever have to deal with them because I don't have as much time. And maybe it's because I have another business that is generating significant enough revenue for me that if the DJ business does 30% less weddings this year, I'll probably just be just as profitable because I've cut some overhead. So for me, it is. it used to be a numbers game because I knew we could, because of the business you had built with the reputation you had, it was pretty easy for me to be able to, oh, someone, the vendor referred me to you. The hall said you were the guy to call. Okay, well, then I don't need to do as much justification on my pricing and the packaging if you already believe we're really good and you feel like you want to, you want to, maybe book us. Now I really, I'm trying to qualify them more because I just don't have the time to weed through them. And I have made the effort to try to find a salesperson that could do that. And the one time I did that, it did not work. So I don't want to trust that to another person. I'd rather have (laughs) less, less leads and have them be more qualified than have someone that I don't know if I have to babysit them or not weeding through dozens of leads a week.
0: You know, we need a sales manager as a guest in the future here.
1: I think that would be that's if,
0: true. If you are a sales manager and run a team of outbound sales reps, you need to email me Justin at Profit911.biz, we'll get you on. Because every owner has this same horror story, right? And sales reps get the same reputation mm-hmm. because uh, yeah, we we've all had an awful experience. We've all had to fire someone, we've all had someone that wasn't doing what we told them to do or made up their own rules or blah blah blah.
1: I think if I could find a really good sales manager who understands my business and understands the DJ world and the photo booth world and lighting, I would probably pay them whatever because I think it would almost guarantee me way more profitability and less headache. I just I can't take any more on than I am. So I've scaled that business back slightly because I can control it and I don't because there's you, you get this, too trying to babysit somebody is more work than if you just scaled down and, and just dealt with less customers to me. yeah. Well, I,
0: as long as profit at the end of the day is the same or greater, obviously there's a, there's a benefit to volume too. Once you hit a critical mass, you know, it's yeah. kind of self-fulfilling at that point, And all of a sudden no one can match your marketing dollars. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an uproll upward spiral too, but it's a, it's a conscious, or it should be a conscious decision. Yeah. I, think, I think most people kind of default to whatever they know. Um. Yeah, that'll be an interesting topic to go into salespeople. So there can be downside to reducing friction. <laughs> and the Amazon example is a good one. You get people through the process that shouldn't have been through the process. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the downside, how to prevent it, how to overcome it, and uh, just how to reduce more along the way.
1: When you listen to a podcast, do you think to yourself, I wish I could do that. I'd like to share my product, my service, my business ideas. Well, we can help you with that. At Kevin Walker Media, we specialize in helping you plan, execute, and then share your idea, your podcast. We can even help you create a video podcast if you'd like. If you want more information, hit me up, 563-508-3418, or email me at kevin at kevinwalkermedia.com. We'll come to you. On site, one or two days, depending on your needs. We'll help you plan. We'll help you record. We'll help you execute. And then we'll share your message, your podcast with your listeners, with your potential clients as well. So if you need help with that, hit me up. 563-508-3418 or email me at Kevin at KevinWalkerMedia.com. And let's get your idea off the ground, share your good news and get your podcast started and now now
0: back to the profit 911 podcast with your host Justin Miller. We are back and we are talking reducing sales friction, making buying easy, getting money out of the wallets and purses. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> it is a good topic. It makes everybody happy when it works right. Yeah, I mean sales management's actually not one of my favorite topics, but you know, the getting of money is always fun. And sales is part of that game and if we don't understand sales we can't do marketing in my opinion so we we're talking about you know kind of amazon being the masters of reduced sales friction you can order something in three seconds and uh it's very very easy to do and we're trying to translate how that works in a service type business and the first step we talked about was you know first point of contact information gathering gather only what you need and make it as easy as possible for someone to provide that information so the next step in a, a service-oriented business is typically some sort of consultative conversation. If you're doing consultative sales, be it a phone call, a meeting, et cetera. So we have to think about you know the process between getting information and getting them to agree to that meeting. Um, I mean, what do you kind of have in play right now for that? So if they reach out, you know,
1: what's your process to get a real conversation started? I will typically text them now. Ah. Um, and I find that that generates a phone call much easier than I just cold call them, even though they've given me their info and they've requested information. Um, I find it's harder and harder to get people to sit down in an office. I know when I bought your business, that was really the only way you would talk to someone. It, you, if you want to talk to us about our services, you need to come in and set up a time and do the consult. And I, and I think that that still works well. And I find that when I do get them in to sit, In my office, I can close more, but I'm finding that people, even people who are qualified or people who want our services are busy and they will have a conversation. I mean, I think at one point, a year or two into it, you said to me at one point, I'm amazed at how many things you book over the phone now versus making people come in. And maybe I'm pricing, uh, maybe the price point is a little bit lower. Maybe I'm not selling the bigger packages as much or the upsell. Um, I find it just as easy to close somebody. If I can get a qualified lead, I feel like I can close as higher percentage on the phone as I can in person. If I can get them in the door to talk to me, I can usually upsell them on something else. But I can also, maybe, and maybe I give up too easily, but I can almost tell within the first minute or two if they're going to want to come and meet me or if they've already got enough information and just, if you sell me right now, I'll buy something. Yeah, so, I mean,
0: I'm hearing a couple things there. So I'm hearing... A, probably more sales skill. So if you have sales skill, the conversation just comes natural. Mm-hmm. Um, B, I'm hearing kind of sorting by client preference. Yeah. So you're saying you can feel them out pretty quick and push them the appropriate direction. Yeah. Um, back to the texting, though. So texting as one of your first points of contact. Are you having the whole sales conversation via text or no. are you trying to push them to
1: a call? Push them to a call. Okay. Typically, I will text them because it's innocuous. They don't seem to be bothered by it. People still open text almost hundred percent. And I'll introduce myself and I'll just, Hey, when's a good time for us to talk? And sometimes they'll just say, call me right now, or I'm good right now or later. But if I call them first, I find that it's almost always like, Hey, I'm busy or I'm this, or, I'm in the middle of that, or I'm in traffic. Then why did you answer my call? If you're in traffic? <laughs> um, you know, so I'm finding that if I text them, it's, it's easier. So, yeah, for me, it's, all yeah, I, I'm not trying to have that whole conversation. I've had that happen where then they want to engage me in the entire conversation. Yeah. Um, if they're 22, I find that a lot of times that is like, that. just want to text the whole thing. And, it, and again, if I can feel that out, then sometimes in the middle of that text conversation, I'll just call them. <laughs> and they, it surprises them a little bit, but they'll be like, oh, and I'll be like, well, I just wanted to, to be clear about what you're looking for here and there. Or did, did I answer that right? And then usually they're good, but. Yeah, even when they're qualified, they they seem to have a million reasons why they can't talk right now on the phone. But they'll always text you back.
0: Yeah, I, I well, people are scared of the phone. I mean, True. like it's it's like a, <laughs> talking on the phone is a lost art for a lot of people. And you're dealing with a little younger demographic than a lot of my clients deal with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so you're probably seeing the early edge of something that's going to push into. That's a really good, areas. interesting
1: point because if mom is involved, I had this happen last week. Um, a client referred me to someone else, photo booth. They were ready to book like right now, like the email conversation. It was an email. And then it, then I texted her and we went back and forth and mom got involved. And mom said, can we just meet at your office? <laughs> so you're right. If mom is involved, if, if she's my point of contact or if bride says um, my fiance wants to be there or my mom wants to be there, then I then I immediately go to when can we meet in my office? Because yes. then a phone conversation is going to be sufficient. And I think I've learned that over the couple of years that to who's involved in the decision. Is it just you or if mom is writing the check and has to be there, then I need to meet her, too. And usually they fall right in line with that. It's the bride who pays or it's just getting a check from mom and dad, and they're disseminated out to who they want to, that I have to play the game of. Do we text? Do we call? Do we meet? Um, but yeah, if mom's... In, like last week, I, I had to meet her in my office for eight minutes. It took me longer to drive from Bettendorf <laughs> to Rock Island than it did to do the meeting, get the check, sign the contract, but she was happy. It was a well-paid eight minutes. It was a well-paid <laughs> eight minutes, and mom was happy, and everything is secured, and it's all good. So those are the things that make me wish I had an office in my house, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, in the end, it worked. Well, and for a, so for a high-end sale, and obviously high-end is relative, right,
0: to every industry. Yeah. But for a high-end sale, there is nothing like face-to-face in person. That is absolutely true. I mean, if you want to close a deal that, again, we're, we're talking completely relative because this side of the table versus this side of the mm-hmm. table are different dollar amounts. But yeah, it's the same thing, you know, face-to-face. And in my process, so in Profit 911, our process uh, requires... Basically a paid consultation in person for a full day.
1: Does that weed out I mean if it's paid and you're traveling to them that immediately weeds out people. You're never sure. I assume you're never getting there and you're like, "What are we doing here? Why are why are you paying me to be here? You're not even serious about this." Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's definitely a vested level of interest and it starts at a conversation. So it starts with a you know, hour or so conversation to see if there's value. So I guess that would be our first consultation, mm-hmm. but it's that's more the weeding out call. You know, there's sure there is a purchase decision made for the full day, but the price paid for the full day, you know, we we wouldn't do them for the sake of the full day. Like we would stop that immediately. Um so we'll come out for a full day and and we'll do consultation and then we'll push to the larger project. Um and that really seems to be necessary. Either someone comes to see us for the day, we come to see them for the day. Um and there's also a lot invested at that point on their part, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. not talking dollars. I'm talking time. time. Effort. So we deal with successful business and practice owners. Them to basically take themselves out of operations for a day, it costs them a lot. Um And you could push that over to your side too, bring people out of their life for an hour. You know, again, all relative, even, you know, phone all of a sudden inconveniences. People will text while they're doing God knows what. That's right. They Um, they don't
1: have to. You can be semi engaged and still have a text conversation. But to physically talk to someone on the phone does require some sort of engagement. You have to be paying attention. But you're right. You can have a text conversation and not be paying attention. Yeah. I mean, we I had this last night. So I got an unknown caller
0: on my cell phone, which rarely happens. They left a voicemail. Um, It was someone, you know, with a building down by my office and um, I emailed them. Their voicemail was vague. I looked at the transcription of the voicemail. I didn't even listen to the voicemail, right? So I looked at the visual voicemail um, and my response came via text. You know, is is this urgent? Does it need addressed this evening or can it wait till the morning? (laughs) Because I didn't want you interrupting my life at that point. Um, But at some point it became important enough for me to call them and I called them back today. Uh, so you got to look at that all the way from consultation through sale. So before we run out of time, let's talk about then easing, reducing friction on closing the sale. So obviously, closing's its whole thing, but I wanted to speak specifically to paying mm-hmm. and payment methods because some people shoot themselves in the foot when it comes time to actually
1: collect money. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's something relatively new for me. I've, I've had it happen numerous times in the last couple months. People get engaged at Christmas. I have had phone conversations with a bride who then Venmo's me a deposit and has never <laughs> was, even met me. I was just going to ask. If oh, that yeah. ever happens. I would say Venmo is probably about 25% of my revenue. Now that's where, it, as opposed to square or other form of credit card processor, partly because it's free. And partly because everyone who's 25 thinks it's the new way to send and receive money.
0: Well, and if you were communicating via text, that logically fits, right? Yes. Like yep. that's, that's how you pay via exactly. that method. <clears throat> you know, Facebook Messenger has that as well. Um, and I've paid that way. I've
1: never tried that. Yeah. I can guess I, I knew it was there, but um, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I no longer get requests from anyone that if they can PayPal me. Yeah, right. Do you have Venmo?
0: Yeah, of course we do. And from, yeah, from a business owner perspective, it's a huge pain in the ass, right? Because as far as I know, that's all meant for kind of peer-to-peer, person-to-person. I it is. I don't know how you link that to your account. So I, I want everyone listening that isn't dealing with 20-something-year-olds because stuff like this
1: is coming. <laughs> and that's true. It's coming because it's expedient. It's quick. Um, I mean, that's funny. I mean, I I'll, i will turn 51 this week. And I again, we've talked to this before, whether it's from working in radio for years or whatever or having... I mean daughters that are 15, 14 years apart I I feel somewhat tied into technology but to me I use Venmo all the time it's easy, it is so convenient and it you're right it is coming to businesses that aren't just dealing with 24 year olds yeah, no
0: doubt and, and I haven't had to deal with it yet but I'm sure I will and my perspective on this has always been if it somewhat resembles money, I'll find a way to take it.
1: Sure, it <clears> so. is no different than PayPal or yep. a Visa or anything else. It is the same output, the same. Um, and the thing with Venmo, if you are willing to wait twenty four hours, there is no fees, no matter how much money you're moving. Um, hello, I, I mean, and again, because now they have to have money though. That's like a debit. Well, right? they, they have can't, to. Have, they can't put it off like a credit card. No, Venmo. they have. Yeah. It has to come up from a bank account. But I mean, again, we're talking about. I, well, and that's a good point. I get deposits via Venmo. I've never had anyone pay a full balance in Venmo. It's always a check or a credit card at the end. That's true. But for deposits that are 250 to three $400, I'm getting that all the time. As much as I'm getting someone who wants me to run their debit or credit card where I don't mind if I'm closing and someone dad is paying the balance of his $3,000 wedding. I mean, it's a, you taught me this because I would think internally, I want to check. I'm not, I don't want to pay square and 3% of $3,000, but I have learned too that in a higher end industry, if I want to be a higher end at the top, I just say, yes, I'll do however you would like to pay me. That makes it easy for you to pay me is what we're going to do and i just eat it and i then you taught me this too it's reflected in my price i'm already yeah. i'm already accounting for that I get, money i get, it's one of my things i get
0: super annoyed if someone wants to charge extra to accept a credit card
1: you either I take them you either take them or you don't so like last week when i went down to register all of our cars and the well that's, Scott, that's government they get their own rules well so i wrote a check she's like if you want to use your debit card we'll have to charge you 2.75 yeah. i'm like i will write you a check yeah. why would so I do you, that?
0: So that they have there's a monopoly there. You have no choice. So mm-hmm. I get annoyed by that, but I'll pay it, right? Because you have no, it's easier now. However, there's a couple of local Mexican restaurants that are cash only. <laughs> well, there's one that's cash only, which is fine. They have an ATM there. They can make their money off the fee, whatever. They don't accept cards. Then there's one that has higher end pricing. I mean, a meal for two, you know, with drinks, gonna be fifty or sixty bucks, and they want to tack
1: on four percent for using a card. No. No. Nope. nope. Yeah, you know, if you want to be high end, you eat it. Well, you know me, I'm a little bit of a tight ass. Uh I was in Muscatine working with a client last week and there's a there's a pizza place there that is uh they also have a they also have a shop here and I love it. Um and so we ordered a pizza and I was gonna have it delivered. This is during the, the lunch hour and she said, Okay, well four dollar delivery fee and and then oh well, here's my debit card. And she's like, well, the, the, that'll change the total because we'll charge you $3 to use your debit yeah. card. I said, I will drive. I saved $7. I just drove to the rest. It was two miles away. She's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I saved $7. By taking twelve minutes out of my time for me, that was worth it. If it had been two dollars, I would have. Yeah. Well, I do it out of theory. It's not even the dollar amount on it. Yeah, it was, it wasn't like spite or anything else. I was like, mm, seven dollars, I can buy a coffee with that or something. I'm like, I'm gonna go pick up my pizza. Now, now the other thing is, so we
0: have accounts that are twenty, thirty thousand plus dollars. So there is a real fee for running that card. That's like true. Five, six hundred, yeah. seven hundred bucks. Yeah, and you know, we don't necessarily. We don't charge more for using the card and we don't necessarily give a discount for, you know, check either. Mm. But we will alter payment terms. So if you want to wire all the money up front. Yeah you know, we'll, we'll discount most of what that fee would have been. Or if you want to pay all in one chunk instead of two, you know, we'll transition it. But it's not like you're getting dinged just for you. But do you
1: time. feel like your prices are set at a, at a specific level to offset that cost? And if they pay by check, then you're really well, sure. More, but it's making more so money. That,
0: yeah, sure. But as a business owner, you, you get annoyed by it. Right. And that's oh, why, yeah. that's why people go down this road. But it's not worth it. You know, it's not it's worth And if you let doing yeah, business. you let your bias hit the customer, that, Oh know. yeah.
1: And that's I've learned that too, yeah. where I'm not gonna say I mean, I just I mean You introduce not, friction, I'm, right? I'm not gonna say to somebody, Well, I'd prefer a check, but I'll run your credit card and that just makes you look small. Yeah. I mean yeah, not good. Yeah. So
0: collect money. Make the process easy. Let your customers spend with you. Reduce sales friction. There's other areas we didn't even touch. So we touched kind of the beginning of the process and the end. But I encourage you to look through your own business. Find the ones in the middle. Uh, all the steps in your process. Make it easier. And we will be back next week. We, we ran over. So I see,
1: I see part two coming for this one. Uh,
0: possibly, possibly. Let's make a note here. <laughs> part two, question mark. So uh, we'll be back next week with more. And any questions, show ideas, or if you'd like to be a guest, email me. Thanks for listening to the Profit 911 podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave your comments. For more information on how Profit 911 consulting can help grow your service business, visit profit911.biz.